know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation, episode 172. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, and you'll notice that I didn't release the podcast on Tuesdays. Maybe you didn't notice. Maybe you just know that it happens once a week, but my goal without fail has been to release a podcast every Tuesday morning. And I missed that opportunity this week. And let me tell you why. I had a total hysterectomy last week, last Wednesday. I'm recording this podcast this Wednesday. And after I got back home, released the same day, which is a miracle, but that's modern medicine. My daughter, we had a baby shower because she's pregnant. First grandchild ever in my life. I'm so excited. We had a baby shower on Saturday, on Sunday. The next Sunday, she had another baby shower out of town uh, with the father's family. And the very next day, a month early, she had some cramping. She thought it was constipation. Her boyfriend said, we better go to the hospital because he was secretly timing what we now know were contractions that were now two minutes apart. They got to the hospital. They tried to give her something to numb the lower region of her extremities. You used to call it a saddle block. Um, and it took about 15 minutes for that to take. And before that could even take, she had the baby. The nurse said, look, look at me, look at me. You're going to lay down because you're having this baby right now. My daughter, it, it didn't happen the way she dreamt it would happen. The baby was born probably less than 20 minutes later. She had been dilated at a five. So her, they told her boyfriend, yeah, sure, go home and pack the, the maternity bag that they had planned to pack a month later. Um, her mother wasn't there. Her father wasn't there. The baby was born four pounds, 14 ounces of preemie. And so this has happened two days ago. And so we have a beautiful, tiny grandson that is gorgeous and is thriving to live, is drinking milk faster than we can get it to him. So I'm very hopeful. 
so far he's very healthy. And I, of course, was at the hospital moments later while they were sewing my daughter up. She had it vaginally, but she had a rip. Um, I had a catheter that I'm dragging around the hospital in my pajamas. And so, you know, these are the lives that we lead. I'm doing great. Mother's doing great. Baby's doing great. I don't know about the men in our lives, not so great because we have been, they have been running around tirelessly um, without much sleep, being very helpful. So I want to use this opportunity to talk about time and life. According to the book, The Diary of a CEO, some of the best years, happiest years of your life are between zero and 25, right? Beer and sports and movies and fun times and schools and friends. And there's a certain freedom and there's a certain belly laugh that later on in life, it's just difficult to get that back. Not only a deep belly laugh of pure joy and happiness, being with your friends or family, but not even worried about your belly, letting your belly hang out. Remember those days? We didn't care, right? We didn't worry about wearing spanks and wearing ties and suits and looking presentable. Just let our belly hang out. Let the popsicle juice run down the front of our belly as we're running around laughing. Happiness between zero to 25, some of our happiest years. 25 to 45, they talk about those being the least happiest years. The shit gets real years. The years where you're working hard, you're losing sleep, stressed out, trying to create a relationship or sustain a relationship is hard. These are the years you get married. These are the years you partner up. These are the years that you don't always like your partner. I say these are the most difficult years. I say great relationships are like the stock market. They go up to 70, 80%. You're like, wow, this is an amazing relationship. I love this relationship. And then there are days and weeks where the relationship goes down in, in stock to about 20, 30%. And those are the days you can't stand the relationship. And those are the argument days. And those are the days you wake up, look over next to you and you go, why the hell am I here? Like, I don't even like this person. <laughs> and what you don't know is there's a stock market going on in their head as well. Those are the difficult times. Those are the times where commitment is what keeps you, right? Not the joy, the fulfillment that you find yourself in this relationship. It's the commitment. Same thing happens with our children 
that we have. My mother says, you know, a few years on your knee, a lifetime on your heart. We worry constantly for the rest of our life. So if you don't have children, by the way, please cut your parents some slack. Just give them a break. Stop being such a brat. If they call you because they are scared, scared of something, they're worried about something, shut the hell up. Answer their questions, understand their worry, understand that's their job to love you. And wow, isn't it annoying <laughs> that someone loves you that much? And let them ask the questions and let them find out how you feel and how you're doing and that you're safe. And then hang up the phone. It'll take you two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. Some of you say, no, no, they're going to go on and on and on. Well, cut them off, but give them the key information that makes their day more enjoyable, where they can exhale and just feel comforted that their children are okay. Because what you don't know is, as a parent, you are as happy as your least happy child. So answer their questions, help them out. But during this 25 to 45, is you're raising your children, you're worried about them. Things are stretched thin emotionally, uh, financially sometimes. You're just trying to hold it all together between the kids and the school and the job and the house and the friends and the family and the toxicity and the dysfunction and the <laughs> and the mental health and the emotional health. And, and oh, by the way, you're out there in the world trying to help others. The shit gets real time span, 25 to 45. Then sometimes you reach, at some point you reach your late 40s, early 50s. By that time, hopefully you have some level of financial security or you have grown accustomed or comfortable. You, you have what you need, maybe not everything you need, but you have a lot of what you need. You know how life works. Hey, I want to break into this episode for a moment. I want to remind you that survivors of sex trafficking experience trauma as a result. Trauma-informed care is something we learn so that we don't re-traumatize victims. However, trauma-informed care will not lower someone's trauma. We have survivors that need to heal inside. Most quality direct service workers connect survivors to needed services like healthcare, housing, legal services, and more. But these services, while necessary, won't address the internal trauma. Even when we connect them to trauma treatment counselors, they spend about an hour a week addressing traumas that have taken over their entire lives. They need so much more. Connecting someone to needed housing won't fix the brokenness inside. Arresting their trafficker allows them justice, but it won't heal the internal pain. Linking them to a lawyer won't take them to a place of reclaiming their freedom and experiencing genuine joy. Walking alongside survivors to provide support, nurturing, love, kindness, and to build relationship is critical. But they also need the tools 
to regain the power, choice, and voice internally. Healing the internal pain requires survivors to do the internal work. I've worked with and studied the issue for almost 30 years. I recently wrote a book outlining the 12 journeys that survivors need to go on to heal the trauma and to live the life they truly want to live. I'd love to train you to be a group facilitator leading survivors toward the internal healing they need. The training is the TNT Survivors Journey Group. Let me train you to facilitate these important groups and put survivors on their path to living the life they want and experience the freedom and joy they deserve. To learn more, go to my website, CeliaWilliamson.com, and watch the free webinar to learn more about the course. I look forward to training you and helping you help survivors to heal. And now, on with the podcast. You know yourself a little more. You're secure in the sense that many of us have found our voice. And if you're a survivor, you you are working on these stages, but many of us have found our voice. We, we may know a lot more about who we are, what we'll tolerate, what we'll put up with, who we'll put up with. We're no longer chasing the dream of this prince or princess charming that's going to come to us in a perfect way. We understand that relationships are messy. We understand that everyone has something that's not perfect. And we figure out what are the things that we can live with in a person that's not perfect, but we can, we can succeed in that relationship. And what are the things we absolutely can't live with? We understand deeply that there is no perfect person. We understand that we have issues as well and that someone is putting up with us. We mellow out in terms of our own sort of quirks and and we're more likely to self-forgive and maybe even to understand others where we knew all the answers, right? Between 25 and 45 over 45, the more you know, we realize, the less you know. And when people struggle, we just look at them in an empathetic way because we've been there often and we understand. I like to call the late 40s, early 50s, like mm, the early old age, mid-age, where, man, you feel a little more confident You know, you may know a little more what you want, what you don't want. And as you get older, I'm 62, life just becomes clearer. And you become more confident in your step. You definitely have found your voice and you know what and who you want to put up with and don't want to put up with. You can look at your life as seasons. You know, when you're born, a lot of things are born in the spring. A lot of babies, a lot of baby chicks, a lot of baby animals, right? Because spring is like the new. There's a newness 
you know, new love springs eternal in the spring. Um, and then the dog days of summer where it's just wonderful and the sun is on your skin and just every day you want to spend time enjoying it, right? And that's sort of like the spring is sort of like your childhood and the summer is like your adult years, your young adult years. And then when you reach the fall of your life, 25 to 45. I said before, it's like, like what Tyler Perry says is that it's like a tree when you look at your life, but there are roots of the tree and those are your lifelong friends and family members and there are branches on the tree and those branches, they stay a long time, but branches sometimes break off and they're meant to break off and often in storms, high winds. And then there are leaves of the tree that fall away. And those are the people in your life that are there for a season and a reason. And they're supposed to leave. In the fall time, it is a time of growth. It's a time of enjoyment. But it's a time of letting go. It's a time of changing colors. It's a time of growing and learning. And then the winter of your life, where you just want to be warm. And life gets a lot slower. What's important gets a lot smaller and a lot clearer. People, though, that, that don't recognize that their life is comprised of seasons, I think get cheated. If we think about it, you know, if Maya Angelou had died in her early 20s, as People have often said she would have been known to, to have been a woman involved in prostitution. But because she lived all the seasons of her life, she became a poet laureate and honored nationally and internationally recognized poet. See, we don't become who we're going to become without the seasons in our life taking place. Life is always evolving. We're always changing. We're always recovering. We're always growing. And we can choose what will be. So I'm praying for little Andrew Joseph. That is my grandson's name. And I want him to understand that he has choices in the world to be who he wants to be and how he'll do it and what he'll contribute to the world and what he'll get from the world. I hope he knows that he has two loving parents and he has four grandparents standing by and one of them is willing to commit the rest of her life to make sure that his dreams come true. It's November, it's Thanksgiving time. So I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving if you're in the U.S. and a happy new year if you're in the U.S. or around the world. As for me, I'm taking a short hiatus 
And I'll be back with new episodes in January of the new year. So this is a close to season two. Season three will start in January. And I hope you all will take care of yourself first. Take care of your loved ones. And then as always, the fight continues. Let's not just do something. Let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.